0: Hey, it's Tom Stewart, and uh, I just thought I would check in and do uh, another one of those Q&A episodes with you. I've gotten a lot of emails over the past couple of months, lots of great feedback about the podcast, thank you for that, and so many great stories about your personal experiences, which I absolutely love reading. So keep them coming. You can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I try to answer everybody. But I also get a lot of interesting questions about the paranormal in my emails. And I thought I'd answer a few of them for you right now. The first email is from Wendy in Indiana. Hi, Tom. I've always wondered, what is it that makes hauntings happen? Well, um, I suppose that's one of those answers we're trying to find. For now, all we have are lots of theories and guesses as to what's causing hauntings. It seems to me there could be many reasons for a haunting to happen. I mean, the most common would be that a person died in the home and their spirit doesn't want to leave. Perhaps they died tragically or unexpectedly. Maybe they don't even know they've died. Maybe their spirit is still around because they have unfinished business or a message they need to give someone. And sometimes hauntings can be an attachment to a person or a place even to a thing you could have an antique in your house and there could be a spirit that's attached to it or maybe the spirit's attached to you and then of course there are residual hauntings that are really just a moment in time replaying over and over again and there are some people who believe it's a quantum physics type of thing where it's timelines crossing over Maybe they're not ghosts. Maybe they're people living in another dimension or another time, and we're just, for some reason, crossing over and able to see them. They're able to see us. We're able to communicate for a short time. I mean, we really just don't know. In some cases with hauntings, I have found that it's caused by someone practicing black magic or doing some kind of conjuring spells, things like Ouija boards and seances and tarot cards, Uh, those can open the door to hauntings if, if it's done by people who don't know what they're doing. And I'm probably leaving a bunch of other things out too. There seems to be so many different versions of hauntings, and there could be many causes for all of them. This next email is from Violet in North Carolina. Hi, Tom. I really enjoy your stories, and I really like the way you explain things as you tell the story. But I've always wondered do you ever do anything to protect yourself from spirits when investigating? That's a good question. Um, I, don't, I don't actively investigate anymore, but um, back when I did, honestly, I didn't do anything to protect myself from spirits. But I do know many investigators and researchers who did. Uh, they would take a lot of precautions. Some of them would uh, say a prayer before they go into the building, or they might carry a A religious item with them, you know, some sort of a relic or a cross or something. Uh, I've seen others who will meditate, cover themselves in a protective aura. Um, After investigating, a lot of uh, researchers, investigators will cleanse themselves with sage or other things. But I honestly uh, never did any of those things, Uh, mainly because I just, I don't subscribe to any of those beliefs and that's fine. I mean, everybody has their own, you know, uh, belief system. And my focus was always just on physical safety. Like I always took a lot of precautions when it came to that, you know, always making sure that I knew where I was going, knew if anybody was in there, you know, uh, had a flashlight with me, made sure I wore proper clothing and shoes uh, just to protect myself from physical harm. But when it came to protecting myself from spirits, I never did anything, and so far, I guess maybe I've been lucky. This next email is from Barbara in Florida and her daughter Susie, who's 14. Hi, Tom. Love the podcast. I listen in the car with my daughter, and we love the stories and your experiences. Uh, She wants to know, why don't ghosts just tell us what's going on? (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to know why, too. Wouldn't that make it easier? Um, Thank you for listening, by the way, Susie and your mom. I love hearing when families listen to my podcast together. It's so cool. I mean, honestly, I started this podcast just thinking a few of my friends would listen. So um, it's wild when I get emails like this. Um, But yeah, it would be great if the ghosts would just be like, hey, uh, this is what's really happening. (laughs) But um, they don't do that, unfortunately. So we don't know what happens on the other side. You know, you'd think maybe... When you cross over, you might find out those answers, and then if there's a way for you to communicate back, you would tell us. But who knows? I mean, uh, maybe when we pass away, it's just the beginning of a new journey, you know, and you have to start learning things all over again as you go. Maybe there's a reason why they can't tell us. You know, maybe we're just not meant to know these things until we get to wherever they are. I mean, who knows? Who knows? I figure by now though, if a ghost knew how to communicate with us in a successful way, they would have told us everything they know by now. But uh, maybe it's just not easy to do either. You know, most EVPs and interactions with spirits seem to be very brief, you know, so maybe there's just not enough time to tell us everything. You know, they can only get us a couple of words at a time. But I don't know. I, I usually tend to think of ghosts as being lost. I'm even perhaps scared. Like a, like a stray dog or something. Uh, but hopefully someday we'll figure out a way to communicate with spirits so that maybe we'll understand more about what's going on with our reality. And if something's going on with them, maybe there's a way we can help them too. Hopefully someday. This one is from Michael in Connecticut. Why don't we ever see ghosts of dinosaurs? <laughs> this is, yeah. I've heard this question before. This is one of those questions that skeptics always ask. You know, like, you know, if people become spirits and there was millions of dinosaurs on the Earth one time, how come we don't see ghosts of them? I mean, in a way, it's a good question. But obviously, we don't know the answer. You know, there were millions of dinosaurs on the planet and they were all wiped out by a tragic event, you know, like the asteroid. So, yeah, maybe there should be dinosaur ghosts running around everywhere. But no one really knows what ghosts are, so it's hard to answer that question. I mean, perhaps it's because humans have never had any personal contact with dinosaurs. So maybe we just can't connect with their energy, you know. Or maybe it happened so long ago that their energy has just dissipated with time. You know, maybe there are dinosaur ghosts and we just haven't seen them. You know, Maybe that would explain things like the Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot. Maybe they're ghosts of something from the past. I mean, there's probably lots of creatures that were on this planet that we don't even know about that we could see ghosts of. So, I don't know. It's one of those questions, though. Next is from Dave in Texas. Is there any place you wish you could investigate? I get this question a lot. And my answer is almost always the LaLaurie House. Uh, It's an old mansion in New Orleans where many years ago, slaves were tortured by a a doctor who was doing experiments on them. I mean, it was very horrific. Uh, A version of this was actually used in the TV show American Horror Story a few seasons ago. But the real history of the house is very dark and very tragic. Um, Actor Nicolas Cage actually owned the house for a short time. And from what I understand, the story goes, he always buys these big old mansions, sometimes specifically because they're haunted, and then he stays in them for a little while. Uh, But this one, I guess he only stayed in it for a few days and then immediately left without telling anyone and then put it back up for sale. Um, So I guess it's a spooky place to be inside. To my knowledge, no one has ever been able to investigate. LaLaurie House. Um, I know they do ghost tours in New Orleans, the French Quarter and everything, and they will walk by the house. But I don't think anyone's ever investigated inside and I don't think the current owners are allowing anybody inside either. I'll have to look into it, but that would be the place I wish I could really investigate someday. The other place that has really piqued my interest in the past few years is the Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, If you've never heard about this, Uh, Maybe make sure you check out some documentaries or do some reading about it. Um, It's a pretty wild stretch of land in Utah, and it has all sorts of paranormal activity. I mean, I'm talking everything from aliens to UFOs, cattle mutilations, cryptids, Bigfoot ghosts, lots of eerie things going on. Um, The new owner is actually conducting a pretty impressive study of the property right now. He's hired scientists and experts to stay on the property, and they pretty much observe and explore everything like 24 hours a day. They've got cameras everywhere, and microphones, and lots of great surveillance. Um, the owner before him actually used to do a lot of investigating on the property too, and the government came in and actually classified all the stuff that they found out. So we don't know what they learned, but this new owner is not only making it uh, the information public, but he actually they just started a TV show. That's airing on Discovery Channel where, you know, it's kind of like a it's not really like a paranormal show. It's more like an investigation show, though, where every week it's a new episode of them investigating different things on the property. Um, So I would love a chance to check out uh, the Skinwalker Ranch someday. I'm looking forward to seeing more information come out from there. But there's one other place that I had wished to investigate, and it never happened and sadly never will. And uh, this will be kind of a long story, but I'll try and keep it as short as I can. Some years ago, I went on the website reddit.com. If you've never been on there, it's, it's just a basic website where people talk about different topics and subjects in a message board type of format. And they have a section on there called AMA, which stands for Ask Me Anything. And it's where people will list what they do or something they're an expert at, and then people will ask them questions related to it. So someone might say, I'm a police officer, ask me anything. Or I'm an astronaut, ask me anything. And then people ask questions and then they give their experienced answers to the people. Uh, So one day, and this was a while back, I decided to post, I'm a real life paranormal investigator, ask me anything. And I guess no one had done this yet as a paranormal investigator, because before I knew it, I had hundreds and hundreds of questions and discussions going on. I mean, I was just going to do it for fun for a couple of hours one night. Next thing I knew, three weeks later, I was still answering questions from people. And a lot of people had real concerns about different things that they've gone through or experienced that they wanted advice or answers. Other people were just very curious. And of course, there were some skeptics and trolls and people trying to trigger me and bait me into negative discussions and such, you know. But there was one guy who was reading all my responses and interactions, including a few of his own questions. And he was very impressed by the way I handled myself and with my knowledge of the field. And he reached out to me via private message to tell me about himself. He was a Hollywood documentary producer, and he was working on a new project that was related to the paranormal field. And he didn't have any experience with paranormal, so he was looking for someone to bounce some questions off of. So we spoke back and forth for a couple of weeks, and eventually he invited me to become a consultant on the project. And here's what the project was. He had been filming a documentary in an old military hospital in New Mexico, a historic piece, which was his specialty. And he chose this particular hospital to shoot some of the scenes in his documentary because they had a section of the hospital that was old and not being used. But it still had a lot of the usual furniture, beds, tables, equipment around, so it would look good you know, for his filming. But during the four or five days of him filming his scenes, he and his small crew started having strange things happening to them. They would notice weird stuff like... The elevator opening and closing with no one on it. Um, lights were turn on and off with no one touching them. Doors would mysteriously open and close with no one near them. And one time they were filming a scene and they had to keep starting over because they kept getting interrupted by the sound of a baby crying. So when he asked one of the nurses if they could close a door or something to help block out the crying baby sound, the nurse told him that there are no babies in this hospital. They didn't even have a maternity ward. And she said that many of the workers there also have heard the baby crying. And that's when he realized there was something weird going on there. So he took out one of his cameras and started interviewing nurses, doctors, janitors, security officers, any staff that worked at the hospital. And he found out one of the reasons that that wing of the hospital was closed was because of all the paranormal activity happening. These people all gave him testimonies on film about all the different things they'd seen and heard. Uh, One of the more common stories was uh, seeing an apparition of a soldier in uniform that would go room to room checking in on patients. And before he knew it, he had collected hours of footage of these testimonials that he wanted to turn into a documentary But he felt it wasn't complete without actual footage of the hospital and some of the haunted things. So six months or so after his experience at the hospital and after he had collected all his testimonials, the hospital ended up closing. It was decommissioned, and it was now just an empty building waiting to be demolished. So he made some calls, pulled some strings, and got permission to go into the empty hospital to film for a few days. And he wanted my advice on how he should approach that. And I was blown away by this. I explained to him that what he had on his hands was pretty much the holy grail of paranormal research. To me, in my opinion, hospitals are the threshold to the other side. I mean, that's where the doorway opens and closes. Hospitals are where so many lives begin and end. It's where people take their first breath or their last breath there must be so much spiritual activity in hospitals i mean i mean i know there is but a hospital is way too busy to investigate there's too many people and too many machines and so much interference you could never go into a hospital and do a proper investigation you know plus you'd be getting in their way too and their jobs are much more important and i i know that there's stuff going on because i've consulted with nurses and doctors who tell me about many strange experiences that they have working in hospitals. I mean, more so than people at home or at a business, there's stuff going on. But they never talk about it publicly. And it seems the only hospitals paranormal researchers ever get to investigate are old abandoned ones that haven't had patients or doctors or anyone in them for years. So a lot of that fresh spiritual energy is probably already gone. And all you're left with is residual hauntings and maybe a few odd intelligent ones. But a hospital known for paranormal activity that just recently closed down would be a hotbed of activity. I mean, the spirits lingering in this hospital only six months later would probably be begging for some interaction. They'd be so active once somebody walked in there. Just the major changes that took place in my opinion, would spark a lot of activity to levels that probably no one's ever seen. And I explained all this to the producer and told him that you you can't just send a couple of cameramen in there. They're not going to know what to do, what to look for, how to approach it, how to make it happen. And it'll probably just result in things like equipment not working and people getting scared and running away. I told him what you need is an experienced paranormal investigation team. Just go in there and follow them around with your cameras. Like I said, this was going to be a long story, but if you're still with me, obviously, I saw this as an opportunity. Not just for the paranormal field, but for my paranormal team that I was working with as well. I mean, this was going to be a big deal for this field of study. I truly saw it as a breakthrough moment. We could collect data and evidence that might be studied for years. A huge step forward in the research of paranormal, which has been going on for decades. But the one thing you need to pull off something like this is money. So he went through his usual avenues of trying to get some Hollywood investors involved and see if he can get them to put the money down for us. You know, I mean, because he was going to have to pay to fly us in, put us in hotels, feed us, plus. We're going to need generators and equipment and security and, uh, I mean, all sorts of stuff. But the only investors who were interested wanted to have control. They wanted to turn the project into a reality TV show or bring in some celebrities that have nothing to do with anything. But thankfully, this producer, he wanted it to be a straight documentary, one that was science-based. He didn't want to turn it into a circus to try and get ratings. And I loved that about him. But alas, we were unable to raise the money. We tried a GoFundMe and other things like that, fundraisers and such, and it just didn't didn't work out. It wasn't realistic or practical in the end. And eventually we ran out of time. He needed to move on to other projects, as did we. The whole thing just sort of fell apart. And as I understand it, the building was eventually demolished with no one ever having the opportunity to investigate. Oh, and... It was by mere coincidence that this hospital was located in Roswell, New Mexico, right? (sighs) Mind blown. Um, So that place will forever be the place I always wished I had been able to investigate as a paranormal investigator. Wow. All right. So, yeah, I told you it was a long story, but I I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I guess I'll wrap it up there. Thank you for listening. As always, thanks for all your support and all your emails. I read them all. I try to respond to them all. And sometimes I like to read your questions on a Q&A episode just like this one. So keep your questions coming, any question at all. Um, and if you want it to be private, just say so, and I'll just stick to an email. You know, uh, So email me when you want to, myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I've got more new episodes of the podcast coming soon. And I'm also working on a new project. It's a second podcast that I think you're going to enjoy as well, but I'm not giving away any information just yet. But while I've got all this free time during the pandemic, I figured I'd start a new project. So it'll be fun. Trust me. Um, Check out my website for updates on all of these things. I just revamped the website. Um, I think it looks pretty cool. You can listen to every episode on there, and I'll be adding more stuff to it as I go along, myparanormalstory.com. Thanks for listening.